In our song that was related to peace, one of the fruits of the Spirit, we shall forego that one, and I'm going to go into uh, today's message about the Holy Spirit, and I first used the language that in the beginning of the Old Testament, it refers to the Spirit of God. So that is the language that I used in the title, and that language of the Spirit of God is going to change a little bit later, but as we, I'm just progressing through the scriptures and looking at this term spirit, we got to understand what the spirit is if we're going to understand the spirit of God. So pay attention if you uh, want to start and develop an understanding of what the spirit of God is, what this Holy Spirit is. It's a very um, mysterious Subject. It's a very interesting subject, and we are going to go through and just pick some pieces and some uh, parts that are revealed to us along the way as we progress through Scripture. So, and we are going to do um, an Old Testament part two next week, and I think there are only two parts dealing with the Old Testament as we then get into the New Testament and deal with the Holy Spirit. And what he means to us today. So last week, I began in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2. And we looked there and it talked about the earth being formless and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the waters. So there was something, it seems, that was just getting ready to get formed and shaped and filled because the Spirit of God was there. So the Spirit of God, it just creates in us this this image that, hey, something is ready to happen. God's force is there. He is getting ready to move and to create. He's going to shape things and fill things. And that relates to what we see in chapter 2, verse number 7, where it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed, into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So the man was formed by the hands of God, molded and made. He was shaped and molded. And then God filled him with his own breath. God gave him life. And so that is, uh, that is all that we looked at last week. But the Spirit of God was at creation. Then the Spirit of God uh, filled man. I do want to note, I did put parentheses, if you're looking at your outline, around Genesis 2, verse 7. I did that to highlight the fact that the rest of the verses, when it refers to the Spirit of God, and you'll notice in verse number 7, it doesn't talk about, it doesn't mention Spirit in Genesis 2, 7. It has a different word for breathed in. Um, So this word that I'm highlighting is used in all the other passages the Greek word ruach, and it is in every one of these passages translated as spirit, ruach. Ruach is not in chapter 2, verse 7, but the idea of very much related to it is God breathing in. God's breath, ruach means wind or breath or spirit is how it's translated. So it doesn't have the word spirit in this actual verse, but the word breath and breathed into man is very much related. And I think 
we're going to have in two more verses, we're going to have this tied together. The idea of God breathing his breath into man. So Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 is our next passage that deals with this term ruach, spirit, or breath. Genesis chapter 6 verse number 3. It reads, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Now, what are we going to learn from about the Spirit of God? God says, my spirit shall not strive with man, shall not abide with man forever, because he also is flesh. The one piece that I decided to pick out because of the context of this verse is that there is a contrast between God's spirit and man being flesh. There is a contrast given here. The Spirit of God is different from man in his flesh. So, and now you might, uh, as I had mentioned already today, the idea of the fruits of the Spirit before the sermon started, songs related to the fruits of the Spirit. The context of the fruits of the Spirit are this contrast between the deeds of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. So I think there's a contrast that is similarly given here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And here in in this chapter, in chapter 6, it is dealing very much with man's corruption, with sin. And so God says, I'm going to limit his time on this earth because of the corruption that comes through the flesh. Next verse that we're going to look at with the word ruach, spirit, is in chapter 7, verse number 22. And I'm going to read verse 21 along with it. This is God talking about the flood, what it's going to do. Verse 21 of chapter 7 says, All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle, and beasts, and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all mankind, all of that was on all, of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals, creeping things to birds of the sky, They were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left together with those who were with him in the ark. So here is God blotting out every bit of life from the earth, except for the things that were saved from the corrupt earth by lifting them up in the water in that ark. God saved them through the water and through the ark. So Genesis 7.22 is an interesting passage, and I, I would ask you, I really should just kind of pose it as a question because I'm not sure I have this verse figured out. I'm not sure I have the Holy Spirit figured out, the Spirit of God. But in this particular verse in 22, the previous thing mentioned was mankind. And then it says, of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the Spirit 
of life. Now, the only reference to the idea of the breath of the spirit of life goes back to man in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 that we had already looked at. Did God breathe the breath of life into every animal? Well, all the breathing animals, they had to get their start somewhere. But the question comes, did they have a, do animals have a spirit? It seems like there's something different about man. I tend to look at this verse, verse 22, and I think that it harkens to this idea that mankind is the one who is going to, who receives the spirit, as it says, the breath of the spirit of life. God breathed something special into mankind. And he had that life in his nostrils, as it says in verse number 22 of Genesis 6. So animals breathe, but do they have the, do they have the spirit of the breath, or the breath of the spirit of life? So it's an interesting question, and this verse is one to consider. Do animals have spirits? Um, I, I tend to think that they don't. This is talking specifically about mankind. So we continue on then. So therefore we have something special. Humans have something special. We have the spirit, the breath of the spirit of life. God gives it to us. It comes from God. He gave it to us when he created us. Now on to uh, Genesis chapter 41. And this is, I believe, I don't think I passed any, I skipped any references at this point. This is the next use of the term Ruach. Genesis 41, verse number 8. <clears throat> Genesis 41, verse 8, it's a very simple verse. This is talking about Pharaoh after he had his troubling dream. It says, now in the morning, his spirit, his ruach, was troubled. So he, pre so, so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there were, was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. So now here is a, a new kind of use of the term of Ruach. We learned in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 that God's Ruach, His Spirit, was over the waters. He was present before creation began. And now we find here something very specific that Pharaoh has a Ruach. Pharaoh has a spirit. His spirit was troubled. So there's something about us, our spirit, our life, our, um, our energy. As you think back to Genesis 1-2, the idea of wind and breath being uh, pictured in this term ruach. It's, it's energy, it's motion, it's, it's life. God has a ruach and man has his own ruach, his own spirit, his own breath. Um, so I draw a little bit from this and make a little bit of a, uh, a statement to help kind of guide my understanding of what a spirit is and how we can have 
a spirit. God is spirit. Do we have spirit? And we do have our own spirit. Even Pharaoh, who was not anybody that we would consider a child of God, he had his own spirit. And God breathing life into mankind did not implant his spirit, because that's what we want to move towards is this idea of his spirit in us. Well, God, God didn't implant His Spirit, but humans do have their own spirit, their own life, their own breath, their own energy that keeps us going and moving and actually kind of thinking and performing and creating. So this idea of spirit is something that can be applied to mankind. At least it was applied to Pharaoh. And we're going to see that every man has a spirit. So Genesis 41, verses 38 and 39, and a little bit of a different point, but the next term of Ruach is in verse 38. says, and this is after um, Joseph had said, I'll interpret you. Well, he said, I can't interpret your dreams, but God can. God can interpret your dreams. He interprets the dreams. Verse 38, then, then Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine Spirit. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all of this, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. So not only does uh, Jake, excuse me, not only does Joseph kind of have his own spirit, but he is correct. He is rightly given some information about him. Excuse me, we are given some information about Joseph from Pharaoh, and I think Pharaoh is correct. If somebody's not a, a person of God in Scripture and they're speaking, you've got to be careful if you're going to trust what they say, right? Pharaoh is not a person of God, but I will say I think he is correct in his statement that the Spirit of God was with Joseph. God was with him. He had, Joseph had a divine spirit that was with him, that was helping him. That was near him. And we can go back, and Scripture affirms this in many places. You can, you can uh, look all the way back to Genesis 39, verse number 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse, uh, verse of chapter 39, verse 21 and 23 both say, the Lord was with jo Joseph and gave him success. The Lord was with him. The Spirit of God was with him. And so... Pharaoh is right in this instance, and he says that this kid, this young man, has the spirit, a divine spirit, that God is with him. God has informed him. So we are starting to get this picture of what I'm moving toward, is this idea that we do, there is God's spirit, God's spirit that was present at creation. Um, he breathed life into us, and then we... Humans have their own spirit, but then there is this standpoint where the two spirits can then work together. And we start to see this with Joseph, and that the human spirit can actually listen to God's spirit and hearken to God's spirit and heed God's spirit. Genesis 45, verse 27. Uh, this was one that I probably could have left out, but I think it's just hearkening to the point that we all do have our own spirit. 45, 27, this is Joseph's father when he finds out that Joseph is still alive. 
He'd had all these years where he was um, struck with grief and mourning. He never recovered, but then he found out that Joseph was alive. 45, 27. When they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. So Jacob had his own spirit, just as I would contend. We, got, we know that Pharaoh had his own spirit. His spirit was referred to uh, in Genesis 41.8. And now we have Jacob. It's re- scripture refers to his spirit. So I think it's fair to say then that all mankind, we have our own spirit. We have a spirit. The question is, are we going to allow our spirit to work together with God to to heed the spirit of God. Exodus 31 is the next place, the next significant place and might be the very next verse, I don't remember. Exodus 31, 1 through 6 is a very interesting passage pertaining to God's spirit or the spirit of God. The the question in verse is in particular is going to be verse number three but i'm going to start with verse number one and i'll read all the way through verse six pay attention to the words the spirit of god and the effects on the person that it is that the spirit fills um and now this is instruction pertaining to building the tabernacle building the ark. So this is all information that's coming at Mount Sinai to Moses, and Moses is receiving the instructions. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. To make artistic work, artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, I myself have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahiz Amak, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill that they may Make all that I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of testimony, and the mercy seat on it, all the furniture. Here is somebody that's getting ready to get out his hammer, his tools, and start cutting and hammering and molding and making and shaping. And God says he's able to do that. He doesn't say this is something he learned down in Egypt. And it might have been. He might have learned it in Egypt. Working for Pharaoh, I don't know. I don't know where God taught him this or how God taught him this. But God is given the credit. I have filled him with the Spirit, verse 3. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, craftsmanship. Isn't that neat? This is, this is really interesting. It's kind of surprising, isn't it? Of course, he's going to be on a godly mission here to do something. But he is very skilled at working with his hands. And that word in there, that word is artistic is in there, isn't it? Creating, molding, and shaping. And that stuff is credited to the Spirit of God filling him. 
And so maybe when we, you know, how do you, you know, was this something special for him? Well, it relates um, in verse number six, when it's talking about kind of everybody else and in the hearts of all, in the end of verse six, and in the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill. God does that. God fills us with skill. So this is kind of a new, a different verse from anything that I've had up to this point. And what do we learn from it? So in the outline, I just write, The Spirit of God filled Bezalel and others, giving them wisdom, knowledge, and craftsmanship to create the, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. This shows the Spirit of God working together with the spirit of man. The spirit of man's not mentioned there, right? But man has his own spirit. God's got his spirit. And you see them to, together. God has filled man and his spirit with some wisdom, some ability, some craftsmanship to do some things that can bring glory to God. And if you want to take an, an understanding and apply that to, to you yourself, um, apply it to the church, I think it's kind of a neat thing. But we're just kind of looking at the facts and building. What does the Spirit do? Who is the Spirit? How does God's Spirit work with our Spirit? And we see a willingness in these people to work in their spirits to work together with God. And God gives them that ability. A cross-reference there that you can look at later is Exodus 35, 30 through 35. And there it talks about Spirit also. The Spirit of God is mentioned. But let's look at Exodus 35, 20 through 22. 35, 20 through 22. It says, Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart... And this is... Moses had just described what all we're going to do, what all we're going to build. Right? Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit, spirit, there's the term spirit, ruach, everyone whose spirit moved him, so the man's spirit, all the people, their spirit, those men and women, anybody whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for all the holy garments. Then all those who hearts, whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches, brooches, brooches? I, don't, I didn't pay attention, but it's not brooches, brooches, I'm confused now, and earrings and signet rings and bracelets, all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. So here is... Moses speaks to them, and these people in their spirits are moved. So the people have spirits, and those spirits are moved by what I would contend is kind of the Spirit of God, is the, the description of the, what the tabernacle and the, what the, uh, the priests are going to wear and the other articles and furniture, all that stuff. They're moved by that in their spirit. So it's again, it's kind of this... this Man's spirit working together with God's spirit and they're paying attention and they're listening and they're desiring, even though they're of flesh, they're desiring instead of 
fulfilling their own spirit and doing the things that they want to, they're going to do God's things. They're moved by that. And I will point out one other thing that's really interesting in this passage because um, a lot of people, uh, if you look up heart, mind, soul, spirit, and you start trying to, some people try and define those things. And I would really like to. I've tried to define those things and separate them out and say, well, there's a, this, the soul of a man is this, and the spirit of a man is this, and the heart of the man is this, and one's the intellect, one's, you know, whatever. Notice in verse 21 of Exodus 35, it says, Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him. Verse 32, it says, Then all whose hearts moved them. There, it's really... I don't know if somebody can define those things out and separate them. They all really seem kind of like the same thing. And if we're commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, that's just saying all of us, all of our being. So I'm not sure, and if anybody, probably somebody thinks differently on this matter, because this is a mysterious, it's really an intriguing thing to think about the Spirit of God. And all the language that comes along with it. And think about our spirit and our soul. How are they different? Well, this is one passage where I can say, I don't know, I think they're starting to mesh together. It's just kind of all of us. God made us, and we're all us. That's our being. It's who we are. All right, well, I've got a few more verses here. Um, let me just read these and kind of go through them and leave you with the encouragement for today. Because I do think this is, an, I think the idea of the Holy Spirit, and we're building, we just want to kind of build this information about our database of what is the Spirit based upon what Scripture teaches us. So then when we get to the New Testament and the impact of the Spirit in our lives, we can deal with it. We can handle it. We know what it means. Or maybe we're willing to say, us. Oh, I know this and I know that, but some of it's just going to be left a mystery. Maybe you'll get there. I don't. But we've got to handle these things. Figure it out. Numbers chapter 5, verse 14 and following, it talks about if a man is filled with jealousy. It has a spirit of jealousy, excuse me. And this is part of the law. If a man has the spirit of jealousy, then it talks about you got to test that spirit. So sometimes our spirits don't line up with the truth, and we got to test those spirits. So, and again, it's kind of making sure that our man's spirit aligns with God's spirit. All right, Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 26. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 through 26, this is where... Things start to, a new piece of information develops about the Spirit. And it makes sense that we would know that Moses had the Spirit, but it's never has been mentioned until Numbers chapter 11. The word Spirit is not used in relationship to Moses, even though he had his own Spirit. We know he talked with God. We know God was leading, God was guiding him. But it, there's no language that says Moses had the Spirit of God. But in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 through 26, we learn that Moses did have the Spirit of God. And that Spirit, God took the Spirit of God from, that was on him and shared it with 70 others. 
Let me read a piece of that. Numbers 11, verses 16 through 26. I'll stop when I need to, I think. The Lord gathered... The Lord therefore said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men from the elders of Israel, from whom you know to be elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. Then I will come down, and I will speak with you there, and I will take of the Spirit who is upon you, and I will put him upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you will not bear it alone. So it says the spirit that is on, and it's interesting, verse 17, when it says, I will take of the spirit, New American Standard capitalizes that. And I got there and I'm like, well, Moses could have had his own spirit. A person can have a spirit of jealousy. A person could, maybe it was just a spirit of compassion that, or a spirit of leadership that Moses had, and that was going to be shared with them. It's not, is it necessarily the Holy Spirit, the capital God spirit? Well, go on down. You keep reading. And in fact, it is God's Spirit. So, um, verse. Uh, let's look at verse... Well, let's just go on down to verse number 29. It says, But Moses said to him, and it's already indicated before this, but this is clear verse. Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Why would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them? So those men started prophesying, and it was clearly the Spirit of the Lord that was shared with those men. They were prophesying. They were speaking the words of God because God's Spirit was on them. The Spirit that God shared from Moses to somebody else was His Spirit. So you talk about this beautiful thing where Moses had His Spirit, but His Spirit and God's Spirit were becoming one and working together, and God's Spirit was taken from Moses and put on these others. Numbers 24, 1, through two, 1 and 2, uh, there's a story of Balaam, who's not a great character in the Bible, but he is some sort of prophet, and God's Spirit comes upon him. And here, I want to read this one real quick, because the language of come, the Spirit came upon, is right here for the first time. Uh, numbers Excuse me, Numbers 24, 1 and 2. Then Balaam, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, and this is where he's kind of changed, he's kind of coming around to God, I think. Listen a little better. He did not go as to, as at other times to seek omens, but to set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And I'm going to stop here with this one. Um, the idea of the Spirit coming upon him. And he wasn't necessarily a good one who was just ready to receive the Spirit. He's more willing now than he had been previously. But the Holy Spirit came upon him. God's Spirit kind of comes and comes and dwells with this man so that he doesn't even speak his own words. He prophesies, speaks the words of God. So God's Spirit, active, coming down here and kind of taking control of somebody. And we've got to ask ourselves, well, and by the way, this is, the Spirit is going to kind of change to that language, the Spirit of God coming down upon somebody. Taking, the, word, the Spirit of God came on somebody mightily or powerfully. 
almost like a forceful thing, and God's Spirit takes over. In the Scripture reading we're going to get to next week, God's Spirit came upon David, and then it left somebody else. So the, the thought, the main thought as you've been hearing this and listening is this idea of the Spirit. God's Spirit? Our Spirit? Are they working together? And we need to understand that, that we have a power to, in that. We have a choice in that. God's people had a choice in that. And He wants to work with you. And I encourage anybody who has not been immersed into Christ Jesus to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit coming to you so that you can work together with God and create and do beautiful and wonderful things. I encourage you to, and I'm, artistic things are great and wonderful, but I'm talking about creating a, a beautiful life, a life that honors God and a life that is creates in you somebody who is then the salt of the earth that God is dis, on display in you. I encourage you to give your life to Christ. Be baptized into him and receive the gift of his spirit. Please join us as we continue the study on the spirit. Please pay attention, please listen because the spirit wants to do great things through you. If there's anybody who needs to respond to the gospel call, I encourage you to come forward now as we stand and sing.